All right, all right, all right. This is, you guessed it, the third episode of the Thug Wise podcast brought to you by the Gordis Collective. Uh, this is Juicy Grind here, and I'm actually experimenting today with an episode with just one member of the collective, right? Talking from their perspective, um, and a little bit more of a, um, I guess you could say somber tone, um, something where I'm more here to share with you all, um, and kind of put myself out there versus something that's a little bit more conversational and easier to listen to and just kind of put in, um, and, and engage with. So like when, you know, in the past episodes when it's been Juicy Grind and, uh, MC King T, right? You can kind of see yourself in our friendship. Um, but here it's me appealing to you to be my friend, um, kind of all on my own. So I feel pretty naked, but it also feels very um, natural at this point for me to come to you and, you know, try to sh- share more about myself. Um, so I guess we can start here. So I am, uh, and I just turned the levels up, so maybe it's too loud. I'm messing with it still. Um, well, first let me start with something that we want to start doing more regularly in the show. And I'm starting with acknowledgments up top. And so something I want to acknowledge is that we are definitely growing and developing this podcast. So the audio or tech issues you might notice, please let us know via Twitter at Goddess Collecti. Uh, G-A-W-D-E-S-S-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-Y. We really appreciate feedback, whether it's technical, whether it's content related. Like whenever we ask a question in the podcast, we're really, really curious. Um, And we want all of our our followers slash our thug babies to um, feel involved. Uh, Let's see. Um, So... Starting there with just acknowledging that we have room to grow. Another thing to acknowledge is that we're still figuring out what this podcast really is and what it looks like. So the Goldest Collective is kind of loosely defined as any of um, our friends who we feel like, you know, kind of emote the black femininehood, the black womanism that we are looking for, right? Um, as far as experiences, maybe not that was probably sound terrible maybe not an identification right but as far as experiences and as far as being able to like have a conversation with us that feels really unique and really genuine now what that how that's defined um like how it characterizes the podcast like as a from a branding perspective remains to be seen so anyway that's a lot of me talking that's literally two minutes of me talking about nothing um i guess i'm just trying to gear myself up for actually sharing things I want to share in this episode. Now, in this episode, I want to find a really genuine way to tell you all about myself without um, feeling uncomfortable about what I'm sharing. And I think what I want to share is that um, I am going, I'm done. I'm at the, uh, I'm at the end part like after you've been kind of kicked out the door and the door is closed and locked and you're kind of figuring out which way is you know the bus stop I'm kind of at that part of a breakup so it's weird to say I'm going through a breakup because the breakup is done um I guess I'm going through still like the lost the lost stages of the breakup 
Um, and I'm literally Googling stages of loss. And so I think about, I talked about to my um, therapist about it. And the therapist definitely existed before the breakup. Don't, do not get me wrong there, y'all. Um, and so I'm talking to this person about feeling lost and feeling grief. Um, and it's something that she helped me to uh, kind of conceptualize, right? The idea that she, I lost a relationship that I had. So even if there were aspects of the relationship that I didn't appreciate, which obviously was a precursor to us getting to that point of no longer being together, even though like that's something that I um, felt, I couldn't quite articulate that at the same time that I'm losing or getting rid of kind of that, uh, that, well, those sources of frustration or negativity, once I lost the relationship, I lost the whole relationship, right? Good and bad. Um, so anyway, so definitely going through loss. And so what I'm kind of like, I think I've said it before, I'm kind of like a junk psychologist. And so the five stages of loss, of grief, are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Oh, shit. Okay. She makes sense. Oh my goodness. I think I actually can talk through this with y'all using these stages because this is real. Um, so basically, <clears throat> I, Juicy Grind, was in a relationship for almost two years with an individual who I truly, deeply, and sincerely think that I, I love. If I know, if I'm at a place in my life where I can know what love is, right? So love, the feeling, definitely love the action, most likely. Right, I might grow and experience another type of relationship and then say, oh, I never knew what love was, right, before this. You know, I never knew what love, 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 love like this in my common voice. Um, but I do think I love this person, right? And so it, it started from a friendship. And I think that's like the thing that we all idealize, right? Having someone who you don't have to date or don't have to be physical with and just want to spend time with. Um, and then it became something where there was a physical aspect and there was a lot of controversy about that between us. And then there was a the fact that he started from a place of not wanting to be in a relationship, like being very adamant about not being in that place in his life. Um, and then I found myself, uh, you know, instead of kind of following a lot of the patterns I had before that of like dismissing people or being really like in, enraged and hateful. And I'm saying using strong words, but being feeling that way because someone didn't kind of um, led me on to think that they wanted something like a relationship for me and then didn't wasn't prepared to give it or reciprocate or publicize it right like instead of me kind of going to those same stages of being like well I'm done I'm over it um I ended up in a relationship where I was still giving in those ways and so there was kind of a, a moment where we where I had to say you know like as, as great of a person you are and all the things I appreciate about you you're actually doing the same things that any ancient dude would do, right? Like you're you're um, treating me like a girlfriend in private and then as a friend in public. Um, I'm telling you about my feelings and you're acknowledging them only somewhat. You're reciprocating, you're replying to them and mirroring them only to an extent where I'm not sure if they're coming from you genuinely. And at that point, to his, and again, this is like two years ago, at that point to his credit, he kind of bossed up and was like, okay, um, you know, let's do it. And I'll be honest, the first couple of months, it was like a, almost like a, a failure to launch. Because even though we had kind of decided on our own, this is something we were going to do relationship-wise, he wasn't ready to tell the his 
personal board of directors, right? His family, his friends, the people closest to him. Well, not I guess the people closest to him, right? The people closest to him who he couldn't tell everything to. He wasn't ready to tell them that he was in a relationship because he had spent time getting advice from them, deciding that he didn't want to be in a relationship and having them confirm to him that, you know, just because you're a a man of color who's successful doesn't mean you need to have a wife at a certain age. Doesn't mean that every time a girl who might want to match you or marry you as a person like approaches you for a relationship that you have to give into that and be in a relationship and rush towards something because you have an eligible kind of woman there. But it's still all good, you know, because that's just a starting point of the relationship. Oh my goodness, my audio just changed drastically. If you cannot hear the audio before this, I apologize. If you're just now hearing it, I learned something about audio production just now, and that's totally fine. Sorry, these side notes don't help. Um, but I think I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm, I think I'm conquering my ADD right now. Uh, I wish I could make this funnier, but I'm just really trying to like tell y'all what's going on. So that's where we start, right? Um, which could seem foreboding, but honestly, you know, there was so many, there was so much more time and, and experience in that relationship that really in a lot of ways would progress past it, even if I didn't process that, right, or appreciate that. Because um, I think that in some ways, my partner, my previous partner was a person who wanted to um, kind of exclude that history, right? Okay, we're together now, I'm doing better now, forget it. And when that would happen, sometimes it wasn't, I didn't always feel like I was in a position to say, okay, cool, because it would creep up in some way, in smaller ways in terms of like how he would regard me, you know, if I felt like he was um, standing up for me in social situations where I needed him to, things like that. And so there was like definitely a distrust that came from that. So I don't know if like I can... Give like a, you know, I'm not the female Steve Harvey, right? Which is stupid that there's a female version because he's talking about women. I'm not the, who's a, I'm not, I don't even know if Oprah gives, who gives really good relationship advice like that you always will listen to and like, let me think, who would I listen to if they told me something? I think I would listen to uh one of the basketball wives for sure. I feel like they, like, they know, you know what I mean? Like, they've been in some relation, and I don't mean, like, the young ones. I mean the OGs, the, my, the ones who started in Miami. That's who I'm talking about. Um, like, if Evelyn tells me, like, bruh, like, don't do it, I'm not going to fucking do it, because she knows. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so I'm not Evelyn Lozada, right? I can't tell you the ins and outs of dating and relationships and how to keep a man and, you know, get married and have babies and twins and all that. I can't teach you that. Um, but I can say that, you know, depending on what age and what place you're in in your life, sometimes like the foundation of a relationship, there's only too much, there's only so much you can try to do to overcome like those dynamics, you know what I mean? So, um, it just takes time and you have to know yourself to know, like, if you're really a patient enough person to just be like, oh, that's this person's flaw, they may never fix it. And if they fix it, it's going to take quite some time, and I'm perfectly fine with them messing up as they try to fix it or me not believing that they've been working that hard on fixing it. Like, I'm patient, not just in timing, but, like, patient with effort, patient patient with, like, like, denial of the problem, like, patient with all that. So I don't know if I was that patient. I definitely don't think that my partner was that patient. Oh, I'm sorry. I definitely was not that patient, and I don't think, I, I shouldn't be acting like he was the worst, and I always knew I was the best, even though it is in a lot of ways the way I, I talk to him, um, and then don't get me wrong, I guess I'll focus, like, on the good parts, which was almost a year, like, of just, well, more than a year, uh, about a year of um, 
just really being best friends and sharing a lot of fun experiences with each other. We sh- we met at a time in life where we were able to share day-to-day triumphs, day-to-day failures, insecurities. I was going through some health issues that he was there for, there in a way that I couldn't, I just couldn't articulate. Um, and I don't know if that's something that, you know, it's hard because you're like, well, does that give that person a pass no matter what they do in your life? You know, is it okay to kind of harbor an appreciation and a love for them because of that, even when you don't want to love them? Like, is it unhealthy to still accept that? Is it, am I able to say I loved and I appreciate and I owe him so much for that, but like, fuck him for later? I, like, really torn. Um, so anyway, fast forward to our relationship changes. We end up living in different cities, um, but we have a strong foundation to start from. So we're trying it. Right. And then the future comes up. And when the future keeps coming up, there's like this battle. And we very rarely are like, you know, this is what we want for ourselves. Let's do it. Um, sometimes it's, this is what you said you want, right? Well, this is what I think I want. Do you still want this? And it's rarely ever. Yeah. That sounds like the vision. Um, I don't know if there are things I was doing. (laughs) Maybe there are things I was doing continuously that were running concerns for him that I never was able to, like, on my own capability-wise or communication-wise mutually or um, just in his eyes. Maybe there were some concerns I was never able to alleviate, right? Like, so, so, yeah, to this day, I can't remember. I can't remember when he first said it. I can't remember now, like, what. What his concerns were, but he just kind of worried about what kind of life, like if we had the same values. And I'll give you an example, right? So, like, um, I think I grew up in a particularly loving home, a particularly accepting home. Like, yeah, there's some isms my my family might have that I'm dealing with now uh, that actually didn't affect me growing up, but that I'm concerned about in kind of my mindset and the way I look at the world, and then thinking that the people who raised me could potentially have like different or less open mindsets um you can imagine what that what that pertains to but for all intents and purposes like I had a truly loving upbringing um and some of it some of what like I think has made me who I am is looking back and realizing that the things that I didn't catch on before it's never too late for me to identify with them right so hmm how I explain so like suffice it to say there's a point in time when I was really into indie rock right or alternative rock I said alt rock. It was like when the Killers first came out, right? And I was really into that. And I hated rap. Like I particularly hated some of the rap, like specific to where I was at, um, the city we li- I grew up in. And I remember being so like, ugh, by it. Like I was just like, can you turn it down? Can you turn it off? Like I just wasn't in that kind of zone, that kind of state of mind. And what was I talking? Why did I bring that up? Bear with me, y'all. Do a do a Jeopardy noise for me, please, while I figure this out. Okay. I could pause it and go back, but that would be too disingenuous. Okay, so I was talking about... This is... Oh, shit. The ADD caught up to me, y'all. I thought I was going to make it through. But... Okay, so we're talking about music, how I didn't like the music, how I grew up to like it. We're talking about where I was from. You know where he was from? I'm talking about how I grew up. 
and how I did. Oh, I'm almost there. We're talking about how I grew up. And, oh, is it about, oh, yeah, okay, I for, sorry, my bad, y'all. This is what it's really like to know me, so. Hello, hi again, I'm Juicy Grind. So, basically, you know, I grew up, like, having this aversion to rap. And then one day, it just kind of clicked. My culture, right, my people, my ethnicity, our slang, our heritage, our, um, our style, like, all that clicked with me. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, who I am now, or building towards that, right? But, so, all of a sudden, like, kind of cursing and vernacular became something that wasn't like shocking to me it just was what it was and I think I went through that stage of course where you start cursing with your friends and your parents don't know and you never curse in front of your parents and then eventually I was just be honest with y'all I got to an age where I was paying my own bills and so I started cussing when I feel you know it'd be a damn or a hell but I'll cuss now because we talk about that later I don't know why but there's something about that that feels independent so the reason why I'm talking telling you all this is because so I, we would talk about our kids and I would say stuff like, and again, this is me being silly as shit. It's not necessarily real, but I would say, you know, definitely not going to whoop my kids, but I might box them. You know what I mean? Like I might give them like some like sock and bock them head, head, head gear and I might just like get in the ring with them. And, it, and the day that they can fight me back is the day that I stop, you know, punishing them or just some being silly. Right. But the idea of it is that, um, just using your size and authority to tell someone not to do something and like physically beating them to enforce it is doesn't have any like um any extrapolation to like real world values or how to be a better person or how to live a better life right so um I think that some things for example like safety wise yeah I might just have to whip my child right but how do you get to the child just doesn't agree they don't understand um and I know you might be saying it doesn't matter if they agree but that's that's not my point my point is, how do you drive something home when you're concerned whether or not, you know, the kid, your child understands it or not or sees the value? And how do you drive that home? It can't always be whooping, especially as you get older. So stuff like that, right, I would bring up or I would joke about, um, or joke about cursing. How Like, I just wanted to reserve the right to cuss at my kid, right? Stuff, just stuff like, get your damn ass in here, boy, right? Never even had to say that to someone, but the idea of like being able to reinforce my motherhood is like something that's fierce and something to be respected with like a casual cuss word, right? Um, never would I ever, ever in this world call someone by their name, right? Especially my children. I don't do, I really don't do that. I might call my friends bitch out of like hilarious, you know what I mean? But it's never, I just don't do that. Anyway, um, so he would be really appalled by that, right? Because that's not how he grew up. He grew up, you know, two-parent home, church every Sunday, and Bible school, and all that shit. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if that how that's helped him in life. Because he lives a super, right, a super, like, pastoral life of, um, let me Google that, make sure I use the word right, define pastoral. Super pastoral in the sense of, like, you know, he, it is used relating to grazing of sheep. Nope, we don't want that adjective. Concerning or appropriate to the giving of spiritual guidance. Let's say that I used it right. Uh, yeah. Okay, so he grew up that way in um, in the sense that, like, you know, the decisions that he made even with me, like, he, you know, his idea. So let's really get down to the idea of, like, what happened. Um, we're talking about our future. We're talking about moving. We're talking about being together and his ideas of when he would move and when he'd be ready kind of came from this idea that God would come and, speak and tap him on the shoulder and tell him it was time or God would send him a sign, right? Um, 
which makes sense, right? If you're, if you grow up believing that God, like God's all, God guides all of your perfect, all of your actions, that there's a perfect will. Um, but what's ironic about that is that he wouldn't necessarily be praying. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he was fasting, looking for knowledge. He was just waiting for God to, to strike lightning and tell him to move and be with me. And I'm like, bro, like you can't hold me to this idea of divine intervention if you're not interceding on, on our behalf. Um, so things like, you know, let's pray together. Let's do X, Y, and Z together. Like he never could charge in. And the more that I talk to people, as much as I think he loved me, as much as he said he loved me even recently, like I'm starting to see that he just in some kind of way, like wasn't that into me. He couldn't have been, right? Because wouldn't you do that, right? Wouldn't you be like, hey, yeah, I pray. Yeah, I want to pray more. Let's do it. Like let's commit. Let's 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 make this a focus in our life, you know, and he would use a lot of the conversation about how, like, he was, he sacrificed for me, not out of guilt, he wouldn't say that to guilt me, he would just say, like, you know, I am making sacrifices, I do put you first, and in, and I think in a day-to-day way, he absolutely did, and I think that's how I see it, right, like, on a day-to-day of, like, a does he kiss me with love in his eyes, right? Does he, if we were together, does he um, hug me and show me affection, right? Does he listen to me? Um, is he someone I can call on emergency? Like, absolutely on a day-to-day. But when it came to, like, the big picture and thinking, like, he just couldn't get with it. Um, but I did find him, like, you know, being just as available to, like, community events, right? Or hanging out or making friends. Like, he put just as much effort into that. Um, sometimes... and actually even more sometimes that he put into, like I said, like the conversations we would have or the effort he can make around us. And, um, and I don't mean dates. I mean like really like a hardcore thinking about the future as like people, he wouldn't put that effort in. And he also, um, I don't know. I, I guess I just see it the two ways, right? Like he was a good boyfriend, but not a good partner for me at the time. And it's weird to say it, um, but it's kind of like a confirmation bias, too. So going back to the stages of loss. Um, first, it was denial. We were breaking up. It was happening. Um, and it was kind of being put on me, right? It was being put on me because I was not sure what I wanted. I was articulating that I was concerned about X, Y, and Z. But at the same time, you know, to my credit, I was uh, you probably heard that the heck out of that gulp. To my credit, like, I was articulating what I wanted. Um, so at first I was in denial, you know, when, I don't know, when it just, we were kind of taking a break, right? And I was thinking, well, we'll get back together. And I was, then I got to a point where I was asking to get back together. And I got to a point where I was like, let's just do it. You know, I would, I think one time I called and I was like, you know, let's just quit playing. I'm going to be with you. I love you. Let's just be together. And he was like, him. he was literally just like, I don't know, you know, and it's like, how do you have someone you've been with for two years at this point say, I don't know. So then came the anger. Um, the anger didn't really come at him for the breakup. I'll be honest with you. The anger came when within a couple of weeks of us <clears throat> starting the break conversation, but like definitely only within a couple of days of me kind of trying to process that he didn't know he wanted to be together and then still like me calling him and saying like oh we're still together don't don't like don't even let let's just pretend this didn't happen like in the midst of all that he um he doesn't even let me know I call him and I figure out that he's starting to date uh 
his quote unquote friend that he'd been friends with for about a year, someone who I had met and who had reluctantly met me met him formed a relationship with me, someone who um in hindsight didn't really show much interest. She showed polite interest but really didn't give a fuck about me. Um, someone who he would go on like his own like dates with, like dinner, would sit down and talk to and she and she probably confided in beyond what he told me. Um, but again someone who he would say, you know, God, have you ever heard this line, um, thug thug daughters? Like when when they say, um, I guess shit, anyone can say this, but you know, don't project don't project those issues on me. Right, like I you know, don't not trust me, I didn't do it. So I got some of them. <clears throat> So the anger came basically when I realized that he had started dating her while I still thought we were figuring it out. Um, The anger also came from those small moments you think about throughout the thread of being loved and being appreciated. And, you know, I have the cards up in a box in my closet, right? Like I have the proof that he cared, but the anger comes from, um, him compartmentalizing that immediately and going to do something in a lot of ways that is selfish. Um, and I know you might be saying like, well, y'all want to break, y'all breaking up or whatever. It sounds confusing. Like, why can't he do that? But like, think about this, think about the moments when, um, you know, you're in your relationship and, you know, like for example, he came to visit me and my family in another state over a holiday. And, you know, soon after he got settled in, we're sitting on the stairs, kind of talking to my family, kind of not, he's texting and he's like, I guess he's texting back folks he hadn't texted in a little while because of whatever, all the excitement of him coming. And he's texting her, you know, mind you, this is months ago, several months ago. And this is the holidays last year. And I remember being like, why? Like, leave your phone. It's little stuff like that. It's little stuff like he had a birthday party and I was like the last person she met on the way out the door. And we had been at that same party. Mind you, in a little small happy hour space for hours. And the first thing she did not do when she got there was beeline to me and be like, I need to meet you. I can't believe it. My friend's girlfriend finally, like, it just, it was like those warning signs that weren't even warning signs because they had, nothing had happened yet. Um, in a way, like, I also, I was also angry for the times when he kind of blamed me saying that, you know, me being jealous of their friendship kind of planted those seeds of attraction just bullshit basically so the anger was there anger can really be rage um the next stage of loss is bargaining um if to be honest with you I think my bargaining came kind of in my denial in terms of being like you know what instead of losing you I'll do this or I'll change or I'll whatever I definitely tried that um so instead of bargaining my third stage was rage and rage was when I I actually only cussed in him one time. All this talk about cussing and how he doesn't cuss in his family and I do in mine. Um, I only called him an asshole once. And that was when I first found out about the dating. And I didn't find out because he wasn't man enough to call me and tell me. Right, I found out from my intuition. So I guess that brings me to my current stage, which is depression. And I say depression with an asterisk, right? Like it's depression in the sense that... um, you sometimes just, I don't know who can relate, right? But like, you just can't shake it. So you might cry, right? You're going to cry, but you cry for 10 seconds and you say, okay, I got it. You know, you get up, you get about the bed, you blow your nose, you start crying while you're standing and blowing your nose. 
um, you lay back down and listen to more Erica Badu, right? But like by the end of that song, by the end of that live performance, you're like, okay, I got it. Like that to me is depression, right? Or um, God, real depression is going out to the club like I did last night and like standing and just surveying and seeing all these people like, there's like the different people in the club, right? There's the people who come like, hey, I'm coming as I am. I didn't put on all my nicest clothes. I didn't put on my fanciest shit. I'm just here, like, fuck me if you want to, uh, fuck, fuck you if you don't, right? Then there's the other type that is, like, there's a, there's a guy who put on his, like, I don't know, coolest hat, right? And, like, his newest, his newest shirt and nicest shoes, right? And then there's a dude with the, who did that, but also have, like, neck tattoos. So, I don't know, that's just a different breed to me. I just want to point them out. And then there's the women. There's women like me who are natural haired and trying their best, but maybe don't have their ass all the way out. Asterisk if you don't have an ass like me. And then there's the women. The what's just, can we just say it? Then there's the non women of color who are there who have naturally sleek, long, straight hair. And please don't get me wrong. All white women don't have this, right? But for some reason, the white women in the black clubs are the ones with straight hair just short enough to be shorter than their, you know, 5'8 black boyfriend, um, unimaginably skinny, right, who wear heels all day and their makeup is perfect. Like, those are the girls I saw. So, like, went to a club last night and was, literally had that realization, like, as much as I want to potentially, like, prove that I can shake this little ass or, you know, get a number from a guy who doesn't look too intimidating or, um, even like make friends with some of the women here like you look around and you're like there's nothing here for me and mingle that with feeling like you had something that was for you and then you lost it whether you lost it on your own you lost it because of them you lost it because of some woman right who thinks that she deserves it it just really doesn't matter does it right because you lost it and then you go somewhere where like Technically, I'm supposed to be able to meet people, and then you feel just as lonely, you know, as you do when you're by yourself. So that's currently where I'm at, and I think that is depression. Um, and I share that knowing that I'm, it's going to get better. Um, I had a breakup when I was, believe it or not, 16 slash 17, and like, at that point in time, like, my anxiety was untreated, um, undiagnosed, and so like, the way that I handled that breakup took me years to, like, make sure that I was developing the way I needed to be developing as a young woman, right? And what I learned from that for myself is that, one, like, I'll get through anything just cognitively, right? Like, the idea is whatever doesn't kill you make you strong, makes you stronger because if you didn't die from it, right, you overcame it and you learned from it and therefore you're stronger. Um, and please let me stop there and say that, like, what I went through is nothing, is absolutely not abuse, Right, I didn't go through an emotionally harmful situation to the extent where someone was um, trying to hurt me. Like, I'm not at all saying that like what I'm going through is the worst thing in the world. It's truly not. In a lot of ways, I'm blessed, and I acknowledge that. Um, what I am saying though is that like it still hurts all the same. Something that was really interesting to me, and I'm glad someone shared, because it's going to stick with me, is the idea that um, they've done studies and found that physical pain and emotional pain are interpreted the same way by your body, by your brain. It's like when you feel like your heart is hurting, right, or your chest hurts, like, you, you, you know, it all, like, 
your negative thoughts create hurt feelings, like that's real, you know, and having that validated for me helped me a lot. Cause like I said, with my younger breakup, I thought some, you know, definitely for years I thought something was wrong with me because of how much I internalized that. Um, but I got through it and I know that there's God or to some just a higher being who has to love me because I've done way before this relationship, I put myself in too many unloving situations that um, the higher being has helped me out of. So I do trust that. And I, there is a tinge of hope, right? Um, there's also the understanding that before you find your mate, right? Like it's all frustrating. And then one day you find your mate and it all makes sense. It's so easily confirmed after the fact, right? Sorry, I hear a noise. I was making sure it wasn't be in my apartment because that would change the whole tone of everything. Um, no B, just literally like a motorcycle on the freeway. Don't ask. So anyway, um, that totally took me out of my emotional place, which is great because I don't want to cry finishing recording this. So basically, what did we learn today? Um, learn that a relationship can be so many things, right? It can, it can start bad. It can get better. It can end well. It can. It can end where you think you got it, and then it can just be taken from you, right? And one thing that some people warn me about is it's really going to hit you when they move on. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then my mom always taught me, like, men, and I, again, stereotype central, right? But men don't like to be lonely. So even if they're hugged up with someone they don't really love or care about or like, like, they're not going to be lonely. And unfortunately, time and time again, that's been proven, Um What's frustrating to me, though, is as much as I try to lay up under people, I'm not, it doesn't fill that, right? It doesn't fill that gap that I think my previous partner filled. So what we learned here is that there are six stages of, of loss and grief. One right dab in the, in the, side, dab in the middle is rage. Rage is okay. Don't let it get physical, right? But, like, rage is okay, like... Tell a motherfucker how you feel. Because I tell you this right now, a reason why my depression is not all-consuming is because I said what I had to say when I had to say it. And to me, that was um, standing up for myself, right? Like, that was saying, I deserve to have these feelings. This is how the fuck I feel. And this is how you're going you're gonna to know it, right? Other people might say, well, if you did me wrong, you don't deserve to know how I feel. But I think that's, I'm going to be honest, not to offend you, but I think that's copping out to saying that, you don't want to continue to make yourself vulnerable. But the reality is that, you know, you're not helping anyone by holding those feelings in. And if anything, you can't, con- and you definitely can't control if someone takes it, cares about it, tries to make it better just because you feel some type of way. But you definitely won't have any chance of having that person show any remorse in- or based on knowing exactly how they affected you if they don't know how they affected you because you haven't told them. Um, how do I end on a peaceful note? What do I say? Um, well, let me say this. I would say that one thing I did that was, um, immensely helpful in a way that I don't think I can even articulate yet is I started yoga. And I've been doing, doing yoga off and on for years. Don't get me wrong. Like I started yoga as in like I jumped right into this, this unlimited challenge, um, where I paid a set amount at this studio that I already knew I liked. Um, and I set out to do yoga almost every day for the time frame and to the extent where like I didn't do it every day, but I literally did like maybe two days off of the whole the whole time period, which is like 
freaking 90%. And during Shavasana, which is at the end when you're supposed to resemble a corpse, so you're laying on your back and you spread out and you relax. And, you know, one thing I learned about your body is that, like, it can take several ways of relaxing because there are muscles that you're clenching that you don't even know you are, right? And that happens mentally as well. So I would lay in Shavasana and I would just have that searing pain, right, in my chest. That feeling of loss, that feeling of sadness. Um, and at first I just felt that. But then a couple of days later I felt acceptance in my own way, right? I felt I felt myself being able to detach from the emotional, like, the emotion of it and just say logically, like, okay, it happened, right? And it happened for a reason bigger than you. Because you're not the only person in this universe, right? And right now, it's not the only moment in your course of events in your life. And I would think through that, and I would think about the fact that, you know, everything happens for a reason, and sometimes you're the reason, sometimes you're not, but almost always you're affected by it without the reason, right, or the universe being able to do anything about that to shield you from it. So, like, with that acceptance, I, like, I literally prayed, you know, prayers of forgiveness and happiness to him and his new bitch, like, several times. You know what I mean? Like, it just, it, it's something that, honestly, even when I get up from the mat and leave, like, I might not even be able to re-access that type of peace. Um, but, like, in a really non-religious, right, like, and you can make it religious if you want to, like, but, like, a spiritual, but also, like, physically aware way like I was able to tell my body to accept it you know and I'm working on it and I still cry but I'm really hopeful about the fact that um forgiveness at least on my part which ties into acceptance which ties into perspective on the universe and knowing that your pain is not the only pain that doesn't diminish it it's not to say that pain doesn't isn't relevant but that is to say that I am grateful to God for what he's brought me through I know that he will bring me through more I know that unfortunately this might not be my last heartbreak ever in life, you know, um, but I do, I am more in a place of realizing it's for a reason, you know, so just like maybe deciding not to go to clubs anymore would be for a reason, and, and I'm, I think that throughout this all, and I don't know, please let us know via social media if you can identify, right, but do you ever have those moments where you realize like, yo, um, the reason why I'm going through all this, all these iterations, all these mistakes, all this running to the same freaking wall to the point where, like, my head, my indentation is, like, that indentation is clearly mine for my forehead, is um that I still have yet to put myself first. You know, I practice self-care. I told you about the yoga. I've, like, tried to practice positive thoughts and rational thoughts, right? But I can't even say that I've taken myself seriously in terms of putting my career first and, like, feeling just as emotionally tied to my career, right? Or tied to the idea of what I could have in my job. I haven't felt I haven't felt like I've fought for myself the way that I fought for that relationship. And in my opinion, knowing what I know about how the higher being, how the universe, how all that works. I'm not going <laughs> to find a relationship I need until I learn how to do that for myself. And until I unwrite this idea of selfishness, right, of 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 taking care, of putting yourself first being selfish. Um, and to their credit, I think this notion, 
really comes from a long line of black women in my family who given everything for everyone else and like that I almost see like that that makes them more beautiful as people um and this idea also growing up where I was told I was selfish for different things that I would do that wouldn't help other people which is so the definition of selfish don't get me wrong um so maybe I need to rewrite that maybe I need to start thinking about that maybe I need to make juicy grind number one hmm so this goes this podcast goes out to you if you need to make yourself number one um, if you are in a relationship that isn't fruitful to you, and I don't mean like, hey, y'all are going through a rough time. I mean, like, you know, you're just not able to be the person you need to be. Like, take that into consideration and know that, uh, like, life hasn't brought you where you are to leave you there. I can't explain why people are homeless. can't explain why people die sad deaths at an early age. I can't explain any of that. And direct contradiction contradiction to that I can say though, like you're here for a reason. Um and so for our what three to four <laughs> subscribers, you are here for a reason. And that reason is to listen to the Thug Wise podcast, right? And to follow us. Um so I'm gonna end with our social media handles. We are at the we are not the, right? Let me take the the out. We are at Gordas Collecti on uh, Twitter. That's G-A-W-D-E-S-S-C-O-Y-E-C-T-Y. Or in Espanol, Gordas Collecti. <laughs> that joke. Um, on SoundCloud, we are the Goddess Collective. Again, Gordas is spelled uh, G-A-W-D. So T-H-E-G-A-W-D-E-S-S-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. The Gordas Collective is how you can follow us on SoundCloud and eventually um, learn more about our podcast podcast which is currently being reviewed and then finally you can tumble with us use tumblr to send us cool stuff tag us in it um hopefully it's gonna be a space for like encouraging creative stuff and whatnot but anyway that is the goddess collective so again the goddess g-a-double-d w-d not double d sorry collective um so the only handle that is not goddess collective is um is uh twitter so that is enough of the logistical stuff man i hope that you guys don't think i'm boring and i hope that someone actually can identify with this i would love to, we would we would love to hear your thoughts your perspective on any of those social media platforms um we love our children our, our thug children and we hope that um your uh experiences like your life experiences will be enriched right by like just learning from us and learning from ours so uh on the way out i want to make sure to remind you peace love coconut oil and don't be petty labelle that's it for our third episode of the thug wise podcast see you next time when we will talk about something so much more vibrant and there will be more than just juicy grind and we will not talk about breakups at all i almost promise all right that's it for me see you next time good job thank you for listening